Hi, I'm Erica Darvis. Hi, I'm Amy Randolph. And you're listening to Podcast Rewind. We are two best friends talking hot topics and all of the podcasts that we're totally obsessed with. So come please be our friend on social media. You can find us at Podcast RWD on Instagram and Twitter. And then head over to Facebook and search Podcast Rewind. You can listen to our show wherever you're already listening to your favorite podcasts. Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever that is, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe because we need your stars to keep this show going. Cheers. Cheers. Let's talk podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Podcast Rewind. I am one of your hosts, Erica Jarvis. Sitting across from me, like always, is my best friend, Amy Randolph. And we are here to drink some beers and wine and talk a lot about podcasts and things that are going on in the world. Absolutely. Hi, Erica. Hi, Amy. How how was your week? My week was over, I guess, already. It feels like (laughs) I was just talking to you on these microphones not that long ago because so much has happened. Yeah. It went by really fast. It was a really busy week. Um, Should we start off by doing our joint obsession real quick before we get to drinks? Or do you want to cheers first? Let's cheers first. Start it off on a high note. All right. There we go. I'm having this week, it's October 1st, the day we're recording. Happy October. Happy October. And I'm celebrating with the Sam Adams Oktoberfest. Very nice. I'm going... Maybe this is kind of Halloween-y, too. It's a gnarly head. I love gnarly head. Gnarly head, $2 off at Publix and a dollar off on Ibotta. Yes. I went with the Pinot Noir. We've had this before with my family. And I think my mom one year bought, like, the Zin, the Cab, the Pinot, the Malbec. And I remember one of them was gross. So here I am sitting at Publix tonight, like, <laughs> which one are you? It? I opted for the Pinot Noir so far. Not gross. Doing me right. So good. I think I should be good for the show. Didn't? Um, wasn't it, was it the Beaujolais that she got from Gnarly Head that you guys hated? But one time was a hit and one time was a major miss. So it's never been from Gnarly Head. It wasn't? Beaujolais Nouveau. And I don't know who, that might be the name of the wine. It's always like the first wines of the year. Right. And we've had it in the past. It's a really light table red. Really easy drinking, especially around Thanksgiving when you're eating so much food, but want to imbibe a lot as well. Yeah. And we had had great success with it in the past. My mom got it one year and we all just like. Even, like, bringing the wine glass to your nose to sniff it, we were like, oh, mom, something, something is, is not right. <laughs> not right. Yeah, so we broke her little heart and had to pour it all down the drain, and she knows what she did. Okay, well, now that we've got the alcohol flowing, let's talk <laughs> yes. about our um, our podcast obsession of the week. And it's a big one. It is. You guys, we attended our first, like, podcast meetup so last fun. week. Um, with the great guys from Podcast Movement, Dan and Jared. Mm-hmm. They were in town for a financial conference um, but they had a podcast movement booth there, I think. The, it was FinCon, right. and it was really for financial podcasters and YouTubers, and so they definitely made sure to have a presence there. Yeah, so we met up at a bowling alley bar um, <laughs> in the iDrive area of Orlando, and we had some really great conversations with other podcasters. We made pod friends. We love a pod friend. Um, uh, we got interviewed by the podcast movement guys. I'm not sure if they're going to put a podcast together with us on it or not, but we learned so much. Um, Podcast Movement does their own annual conference and in 2019, so next year it's going to be in Orlando. Mm -hmm. So we're hoping to attend that. That'll be super exciting, but it was a really 
positive experience. Yes. And I, I really thought that I learned a lot. We got some great tips from the guys. And it's really fun to be around PLUs, people yeah. like us. We love it, people like us. And we got a lot of business cards, made a lot of connections, some new Instagram followers. For and sure. Really just like building up our network of understanding how do you make a darn podcast successful? You know, we really kind of stumbled ass backward into this thing. <laughs> um, and I'm really proud of us because we we self-taught ourselves yeah. as much as we could when we came in. Thank you, YouTube. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and, you know, talking to Dan and Jared, I think, uh, and kind of figuring out how other people do it, yeah. we weren't super off. No. Really. They were really impressed that we Thanks. had such a thing. They said it. We had drinks. We don't know. Maybe they said other things. I don't recall. I do know that they thought we were charming and engaging, and we will always take that as a compliment. Well, obvious, because we are charming and engaging. They're like, well, how did you guys know each other? We're like, we live. That's a long this. story. Just man. don't ask so me. Long. We're roommates. Let's skip ahead. We're in the timeline. We're co-hosts. Let's just go with that one. But yeah, we learned so much. I mean, I think we came home on such a high and kept talking so much, and Obviously, we've redone our format in the last month or so. This is our fourth time on our yeah. new format. So happy one-month anniversary to us. To us. And it was really great to get to talk to them about that yeah. and why we switched and to, you know, they had never listened to us before. Uh-huh. I'm hopeful that they have now. I know that they're following us. And um, I also, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, didn't you think it was super funny that we would, you know, like meet somebody new and go, oh, we're Amy and Erica from Podcast Rewind. And they would say hi to one of us and look at the other and go, so what do you do? Like, <laughs> I'm on a show with her. Yeah. Like, we're a, we're my a team. My name is not America. It's <laughs> Amy right. and Erica. Well, we did get to meet one of the hosts, Kirk, from the podcast Discovery Show. Very similar to what we do here. Yeah. But each week, one of the guys, there's three hosts, will present a podcast, kind of talk about it. Then they all go away. And then the next week, they talk about that and what they learned, what they liked on it. So when I said, like, oh, we are Podcast Rewind, he was like, yeah. I totally know you guys and I've listened to your show. That was cool. That was so cool. I think that's the first time that's ever happened to us with somebody who we haven't met before. Right. When friends and family or coworkers are like, hey, I caught your show. We're like, oh, thanks. Do you still like me? Like, <laughs> Meanwhile, haven't heard from Laura yet from yeah, the Laura Ibernus girl. Market. Come on, hit us up, girl. Yes, we're dying to hear your thoughts on our new format. At Podcast RWD. Mm-hmm. Come on, girl. Um, all right. So what are you... On your own, individually. Individually. I'm obsessed, obsessed with. with the fact that it is October 1st, and it is the start of the holiday season, officially. Uh-huh. And I know I am just four short weeks away from listening to holiday music and getting in the mood right. for Christmas and having everybody be mad at me that I'm doing it on a timeline that they don't deem appropriate. Pumpkin Whatever, spice is everywhere. I can do what I want. It means daylight saving is coming soon. I think nothing is more holiday than when you leave work and it's already dark and it just feels deliciously like Christmas is coming and the sun is up earlier in the morning, which means I can get up earlier in the morning (laughs) because I need my sunlight. But I was listening to Danny Pellegrino this week and he had on Jerry O'Connell. I can't wait to listen to that one. God of all gods when it comes to Bravo and podcasting. But he was like, oh, you know, the show is dropping on October 1st. He was like, I got to call it. We need to be done with these Instagram posts of people at Target or in the store and be like, oh, Halloween, it's too early. Or I don't want to see Christmas decorations until after Thanksgiving. And he was like, fuck you. Are they hurting you? Yeah. So what? Let it go. And I just was like, God, you just continue to prove yourself as my spirit animal. I have seen, I don't, I think these things ebb and flow. Yeah. But I've seen a lot of that on social media 
of people saying like, look, I don't like pumpkin spice or Ugg boots or scarves or yeah. falling leaves candles, but let <laughs> the basic bitches be basic. It's not bothering you. Leave yeah. it alone. Let them have it, which I really appreciate. And I think we are in this kind of maybe flow right now of support each other, you know, help each other out. Be nice. There's so much shit going down, yeah. you know, because over the past few years, there's been this gaining hatred towards my beloved pumpkin spice. Yeah. And it's like, leave it be. You know what? If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. You don't have to drink it. No. But like, let me and let me post about it if and, I want. And why if I'm listening to music in my car that you are not in with me and it's Christmas music and it's November 1st. You should still be able to get up and have your day and not let this bother you. But when I post stuff like that, like, my one aunt is like, it's not Christmas until Santa comes down the Macy's Day Parade. And I was like, well, you live in 100-degree weather and tell me that you don't want to get this <laughs> season started as soon as freaking possible. Right. Up, off. In the words of Bethany Frankel, get off my jock. Right. Get off my holiday jock. Get off my holiday jock. Let me live. Let me live. What are you obsessed with? Oh, my God. Okay, I'm obsessed. Yes? I'm a little late to the game on something, and that's Reddit. (laughs) Okay, I'm very late to the game. I joined Reddit last week, and I follow, like, my favorite things there. So I follow The Bachelor, Uh 90-Day Fiancé, Vanderpump Rules, uh, Teen Mom, you know, like, my, my favorite murder. Like, I follow my shit, right? And... I just, I thought that Facebook and Insta had memes. I didn't know. Oh, I didn't no. know. They're Reddit? pulling them from Reddit. I, yeah, so I'm learning. Oh, okay. I'm learning. There's things about the internet I still don't understand. Oh, you don't have a nerdy brother the way I do. <laughs> but this all makes sense. Here's where I'm going with this. I'm so obsessed by something I found on Reddit today. Okay. So, Bachelor in Paradise, we never really did a wrap-up here on mm-hmm. the show at the end of the season. But um, we did talk about Jordan being on reality, Steve, and being wronged by his fiance. Right. So that's exactly where I'm going. So for anyone that might need a refresher, at the end of Bachelor in Paradise, the model from Clearwater, who the one that wore the gold panties on Becca's season. Who we must protect at all costs. We need him back on television. (laughs) That's for damn sure. Um, He got engaged to crazy-ass, self-proclaimed alien Jenna. Well, right after the show aired, Reality Steve was putting out all of these texts that a man got in contact with him and sent him all these screenshots of texts that he'd had very recently with Jenna, where, I mean, it's like while the show was airing and she's telling him, like, you know, I really want to be with you and that me and Jordan are just for the show. I don't even like him and all of that. So Reality Steve blew up her spot. Jordan broke up with her on the spot. She vowed these were all fake texts and that she was going to prove it. And God bless my sweet Jordan. speaking, I believe. That's where we're going. Even Jordan was like, even if you can prove it, I don't care. Like, I'm I'm protecting my heart. But anyway, so she posted an update today. And it's so ridiculous. I saw it on Reddit. And then, like, the comments, I just was dying. So she posted a picture of herself that is... I photoshopped to the edge oh, of that's not. super face tuned. I can see it on your phone. Right, oh, right. Now. It's like blurry. It, it's basically a cartoon. Mm-hmm. It's so like blurred out. But here's her. Here's what she wrote. By the way, it's a picture of her like lips and tits. But she wants I to believe, tell me what is that word called? The de- uh, decolletage. A lipit. I was gonna say the oh, decolletage. Yeah, the de- sure. If you want to be fancy, but I, do, I see always. I see tits. I see lips, and I see a brushed out armpit. Yeah, it's so dumb. But she wrote obviously, like I already knew, the forensic analysis of my 
my electronic devices and iCloud account prove that the fraudulent text messages posted by Reality Steve were not mine. There is growing and compelling evidence pointing to who is behind this attack on me, and it is very sad. <laughs> Given the legal issues and ongoing investigation, I am delaying posting the forensic data until the investigation is fully completed. One thing is for sure, there is a huge twist, and it is killing me keeping it quiet while the investigation is completed. You will be hearing more about this in the next few weeks, but I am going to attempt starting moving on with my life. All right, Jenna. Bye. Jenna. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah. Goodbye, sister. But, like, the thread was like, Jenna, this is not forensic files. No. And people are like, what is this, a fucking Gillian Flynn novel? Like, <laughs> there is no big twist coming. There is no gotcha moment. You got caught, bitch. Yes, you got own caught. It. Now go away. Your fifteen minutes are over. But look, I ugh, I love Reddit. I loved that today. I had to share it with y'all. That's so amazing. Well, Amy, I want to ask you a question. Sure. Are you interested in talking about a really great podcast topic? Here's the thing: to talk about this, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. only need to put in two hundred dollars. Okay, listen. And then you need to tell five of your friends about mm-hmm. this topic. Mm-hmm. It gets better. Yeah, if yeah. you have them tell five of their friends, uh-huh. you can get your two hundred dollars back. Oh, so yeah. it, it's not a pyramid scheme, right? It's well, not. What if, what if I don't have two hundred dollars to expend right now? Um, what do you think I should do anyway? I would say, do you have any birthdays coming up? What can you do? Can you call in in advance, get an early birthday gift, or um, if you're going to have it in the next couple of weeks, maybe one of those mm-hmm. um, cash advance locations? Because oh, yeah, I don't right. want you to miss out on this podcast conversation. I don't want to miss it either. I better. Okay, I'm on my way to the Amsterdam right now. I'm in. Awesome. I'm in. No, I'm fucking not. <laughs> no. No. If you guys haven't figured it out, this topic is deep. It's deep. And we're going there. And look, we know that some of you are not going to probably like very much what we have yeah. to say next. But we're going to go ahead and live our truth. And we're going to dive deep into multi-level marketing. Or often known as MLMs. Mm-hmm. Or pyramid schemes. Or pyramid schemes. Now, I will say... Um, You've heard me talk on this podcast before about my deep obsession with Scientology. And not because I want to be in Scientology, but because it has got a cult-like status that I cannot wrap my brain around. And the same goes for MLMs. I cannot figure them out. So when we were planning this week's show, like a light bulb, it came to us. We We got to learn more about this stuff. And I did really learn a lot this week. So, um... All right, should we define first what yeah, we're talking about so and what an MLM is? What does Wikipedia say an MLM is? So according to the Wikipedia, which never lies, yep. uh, multi-level marketing, also known as pyramid selling, network marketing, and referral marketing, I've also heard direct to sale. Direct to sales, yes. Uh-huh, is a marketing strategy for the sale of products or services where the revenue of the MLM company is derived from a non-salaried workforce selling the company's products or services while the earnings of the participants are derived from a pyramid-shaped or binary compensation commission system. It's a lot of words. A lot of words. Basically, these are people who um, have bought in to own a piece of this company's product. So let's – LuLaRue is a really hot – Before you go on, I believe it's LuLaRoe. So if we're going to do this, we got to do it right. LuLaRoe is a super hot MLM out there right now. They don't sell in stores, though. How they actually get their products to their consumers is they have these independent consultants, participants, distributors. distributors. They have different words for it. They force those folks to buy 
their product from them. And, and then, the lowest selling point is, I believe you can get in, the lowest is $5,000 to buy your stuff. Which is a lot. And that's just LuLaRue. A yep. lot of them are, what am I saying, Roe? LuLaRue. Are, a lot of them are different. But then the cons- participant distributor turns around and does uh, sales to other people. So I'm sure almost all of you listening have been invited to some sort of party. I mean, if you think all the way back, it's Tupperware parties, Avon parties, Mary Kay parties. Those are all MLMs as well. So at the end of the day, the participant will has to has to sell their product back. Otherwise, they're just out that money. And for them to continue to make more money, the company pushes them very, very hard to... um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Acquire people underneath them that right. kind of create, recruit, like, recruit, recruit and create like a team of people that they then work with. And LuLaRoe is not alone. Like you mentioned, there are quite a lot of other MLMs that have this, you know, you buy your product and I believe a legging for LuLaRoe for a consultant or a distributor is $12.50, mm-hmm. but they all generally sell them for $25. But if you've got some candy corn leggings and it's December 1st, you're not going to sell them for $25. You're not going to sell them. You so do. you're going to try to get it to 20 mm-hmm. and a 15 and maybe somebody will buy them from you for 10 and now you're at 250 Right. And that's the hardest part. Like you mentioned, all of these products, 99.999% of the time cannot be bought in a store. There are no retail outlets that are going to sell these items, which makes it weird. And I think that for me has always been my biggest pain point. Mm-hmm. Now, Tupperware eventually has come into stores, but it did start out, you know, as Tupperware parties back in the day. But if your product's so fucking good, why can't I get it at Target? I, I, you've always asked that question. And it just don't yeah, get it. It does, it does head scratch. A lot of these products are made to be, make you believe that they're miracle products too. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the beauty products too, like uh, Rodan and Fields, yep. Nerium, um, there's another one, Airbon. Oh yeah. I do know people that do Airbon. Yeah. That they say, it you know, works. this is the, ve- it works. This is the very best face cream. You're never going to find a better face cream. Yeah. Um, they come at all different price points, but really the business structure is all the same. the same. It's a pyramid system where these consultants really make money by getting other people under them and the people above them are, are making money. Yeah. But how much money is really anybody making? That's a really great question. In 2015, MLMs brought in over $36 billion in profits. Mm-hmm. Now, that's the company themselves. That does not necessarily mean everybody working for them is part of that $36 billion. So, for example, Herbalife, one of those like food, supplements, it's vitamins, and stuff, right? Yeah. I think they have gross. And I will say, a lot of the information I have is from. A last week with tonight, John Oliver episode entitled Multi-Level Marketing, which has over 14 million views. Mm-hmm. And it's about a year and a half, two years old. But Herbalife, one of the companies that they showcase really well, operates in 95 countries and through a network of approximately 3, 3.2 million independent distributors, but only 8,000 people are on the payroll. So right. 8,000 people are part of that 36 billion with other companies mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It's insane. Yeah. So... That's one thing that I learned this week through the podcasts that I listened to and the articles that I read. 
that I guess I probably knew, but it really stuck out to me, mm-hmm. is that these distributors, these people coming to your house and selling you these products are not actually employed by the companies. Yeah. They're receiving no salary. They're receiving no benefits mm-hmm. or anything like that. They are only making money off the commission from the product they sell you. And it's proven now that 99% of people who join these MLM companies are losing money. Absolutely. They are not making it back. Well, no. Um, The FTC actually really went in hard on Herbalife. Yes. And so through quite a long, extensive investigation, the FTC said that Herbalife, by recruiting additional participants who fueled the enterprise by making wholesale purchases of the product, is what brought them in money, not retail sales. And at the end of their investigation, they were not determined to not be a pyramid scheme. <laughs> the fuck? Double negatives. My Double English teacher mother negatives. will love that. Yeah. But, you know, like you said, we did listen to a lot of podcasts this week that talked about MLMs. And one of them is brand new over on Stitcher. And it's called The Dream. Oh, my and God. Fuck, I love is it. it a dream of a podcast. So amazing. Host is great. You're getting some serial level kind of stuff. But what I learned, and I know you listened to it, too, mm-hmm. is that... The first wave of MLMs was like Avon. So this was founded in 1886 and used the door-to-door model for selling perfume. However, it started out by a guy who was a door-to-door book salesman and just couldn't get people to open the door because a door-to-door salesman just seemed sketchy. Guys would be on your door with like a vacuum and couldn't get you to open the door. So he started to create perfume because he sounded like he was a little creepy. Yeah, he was making in his house. Making like perfume at his house. And so... If women would buy the books, he would give them a free sample of his perfume. Well, women started to love the product, and he was like, fuck the books. I can get these women to hawk my perfume. And so from then and up until the middle of last century, many women didn't have the means to sample products and shop at a department store. So companies like Avon became huge, especially for African-American women, because they were simply not allowed to enter stores. Even up to not that long ago. And they didn't have the means to start their own business, but they could get in and help somebody else sell their products. And that's where it started. Yeah. So again, this podcast, The Dream, I just want to point out it's a new like investigative journalist expose type show that Stitcher is putting on along with, um, I think it's called Little Wonder Company. And uh, so far, they've dropped three episodes. Uh, they just dropped episode three today. So I listened to it um, on, the, on the course of my workday today. But episodes one and two, I've listened to both of them twice now because, oh. like, I'm just fascinated. So she really set in uh, on this podcast, The Dream. She starts off wanting to, to dive into this subject and talks about how Most of her family and friends growing up in a small town in Michigan, Owasso, which is right outside of Flint. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine it's a very poor industry or a very poor community. Yep. Especially since the the cars uh, industries folded there in the 70s and 80s. um, That she's always been kind of around this MLM industry, even though she's not partaking herself. Most of her family and most of her friends have. Yes. So she says that she starts off this podcast and was really secretive at first. And she mentions it's because these MLM companies are highly litigious. Yeah, they are. So they had to keep it under wraps that they were even doing this project. But she said that she let it slip to a friend mm-hmm. that she was what the subject of her new podcast was going to be. And she like, and couldn't hold it in talking she to her friend. It like she was having a cocktail or two I with her don't friend. Blame her. And said, I'm doing MLMs. And the guy went, oh, you should talk to my mom. Yeah. Because her, his mother, Nan, who sounds fucking amazing, yes. was part of something called the airplane game. 
in Tribeca in the 80s. Yes. And this was bizarre. Super Hearing bizarre. her explain these lavish parties that people would go to in massive lofts in Tribeca. She was saying like 3,000 square feet. And it's like, That was her loft. Yeah. Three she she was newly divorced. So yes. it sounds like she got a, a pretty good bargain out of that yeah, divorce. Absolutely. But she, you know, went to a party and somebody was like, oh, we're going to do the airplane game. And she explains it to the host that, you know, for $1,500, you can buy into this plane. And the plane has a captain at the seat, and behind him in two seats are the co-pilots. Yeah, pilot and co-pilot. And then behind those three seats are, like, stewardess and the crew. And then behind that is another four seats of passengers, and then another row, like, five seats behind that of passengers. And if you can imagine, that setup looked a lot like a pyramid. A literal A literal pyramid. pyramid. So you would buy in at $1,500 to be on this flight as a passenger, and if you could recruit other passengers, you could move up a row. And if you could, if they could recruit passengers, you could move up another row. And before you know it, you and your friends are playing the airplane game. You're the captain, and you just made your $150 back. That's right. When you, well, not And other people's right. money. The payout was $12,000. Yep. So you paid $1,500 in, and then you just recruited your friends. And once you became the pilot of the airplane, you cashed out at $12,000, yeah. which she said in today's money is $30,000. Mm-hmm. And the initial buy-in of fifteen is now $3,500. Yes. So a, a Nan, who was this this mother that was explaining this said that she at one time was the pilot of five or six planes. There was no limit to yeah. the number of planes that you could do. And the problem is, it started with these very affluent people in upscale Tribeca, but there's only so many friends and people to recruit exactly. under you. So she said she always knew this was sort of like a Ponzi scheme. Yes. And she always kind of told herself she'd get out, but the money was so good. She talked about literally rolling around in cash on, on her, her bed, bed with her children. I mean, it's, it's amazing. And that's why... It's enticing, right? It's enticing. And that's why when it comes to MLMs, they really do position themselves as a get-rich-quick concept, program, Scheme. scheme. And who doesn't want to get rich quick? Yeah. I mean, look, if I can put in $3,500 right now, and you're telling me in five days, all I have to do is bring my friends in too, and I'm going to cash out at $30,000, I mean, yeah. you got to think about it for a minute at least. <laughs> right? You're an idiot not to think about yes. it. But you know who else was thinking about it too? The, the FBI. The FBI and the feds. Because as she mentioned, at a party one night, somebody was like, uh, there, we think there are some feds here. And her response to that was... Groovy. Cool. Cool, man. Right like, on. They right want to play on. the they airplane were, game. Not like, oh, I just made 30 some odd thousand dollars, well, nowadays, but $12,000 in the 80s. I, I didn't get taxed. All of this stuff. And the FBI was like, uh, what'd you do? You got new money? Can uh, we have some of it? Right. Because this is completely illegal. Right. Eventually it folds. Also, on this first episode of the podcast, one of her researchers who lived in uh, Bradenton, Florida, was his name Brandon? Brandon and Bradenton, I yeah. think I yeah, remember my, my that, but that's associating. Which anyway, isn't too far away from where we are, Bradenton. Exactly. He said at the same time, down here in Florida, he was also playing the airplane game and making money. And once it uh, did eventually fold, some they were always very careful about keeping the right people in the airplane yes. game. But again, because in order to be successful, you have to continue to recruit, all of a sudden, First of all, you're getting less affluent people who $1,500 means a lot more to them. Correct. And second of all, people who are more skeptical, more willing to maybe talk to the FBI and expose what's going on here. 
And he said that it came out in the paper, in the Bradenton newspaper, this like ridiculous scheme. People are handing each other money and Uh paying out. And, you know, he said when you read it in black and white, it sounded a lot more legal than it felt. Oh, totally. And that's the thing about MLM still to this day is that, you know, the concept of getting others to get in the game with you, whether you're selling makeup or leggings or at-home products, maybe an essential oil, but bringing you in is like, we can you can make passive money. Right. You can have a passive income by getting others underneath you. And I think that the best stat I found in the last couple of days is that with this, hey, Amy, get five people underneath you. Get them to get five people underneath them, and let's keep this going. Except... After 14 cycles of that game, you have exceeded the Earth's population. Right. Only so many people can get in on this. Yeah. And I read it. I've got an article here from the Washington Post uh, from just uh, five days ago, from September 26th, that's titled, Why Multi-Level Marketing Won't Make You Rich. It says the same the same thing that you're you just can't keep that going no. and most of these people who are in these MLMs are giving other people money to them their MLMs. Yes. So basically you're just trading back and forth money with your friends for these products. Yes. Whether you like the product or not. And I guess here's where I need to be a little like open, transparent. Transparent. I've been to several parties. Yeah. I've purchased MLM products before. Um, a lot of the times I go to these parties because I've made a new friend uh-huh. or a coworker is throwing it and I feel like it's a, probably a good idea for yeah. me to attend this party. And, you know, I've attended a party right here in this apartment yeah. before I lived here with an older roommate of yours. Or was it the other apartment? It was the other apartment. It was the other one. Anyway. And this I bought, apartment is MLM break. Right. <laughs> well, I bought some jewelry at that yeah. apartment. And I do kind of remember that... So, like I said, I've been to several of these, and they're more successful ones than others. If you have a really slick salesperson, I'm probably going to flip through your catalog and maybe buy a couple of things. I've seen salespeople really stumble through Mm -hmm. awkwardly as well. And sometimes you almost want to buy from them because you feel bad. So bad. Yeah. Our old roommate, years, eight years ago, Uh was young, working for the same company we were working, um, but I think got let go, was bartending and having a hard time making money. And she got into multiple MLMs. I think one was Princess House. It was basically like flatware and like household items. And I thought to myself, like, you can't even legally drink. Yeah. Why are you trying to sell like wine? a crock pot and like fancy glasses and dishes? And she had to buy her own starter kit and was mad that we weren't buying them. And I was like, but we have stuff in the apartment we don't need. Oh, fun fact, I think one of our spoons that looks out of place is a, a princess, princess house spoon, <laughs> so my bad. It this trickles house in. has been tainted. Um, and then she did a jewelry party, and the thing that they do at these parties is, yes, they want you to purchase, but then comes the game. And the incentives. And the incentives yeah. in the game, like, if you roll this dice, you can get one piece of jewelry and the other one half off, or maybe you'll get three pieces of jewelry for the price of two, or my favorite, you could win your own party. Oh, yeah. Which, F you, comes with me going and inviting other people, setting up a party, getting drinks and food. I'm out $300. But then I will be able to get money towards my own jewelry if everybody at the party purchases. And that's also such a yucky feeling. Like, you getting your jewelry for cheaper yeah. is dependent on me buying something. And for those who aren't, look, 
here with us. I'm like pointing at Amy very aggressively she's, she's in regards to this. I am so aggressive in regards to this. You know, most of the parties that I've been invited to over the years, I haven't attended because the products do kind of tend to be expensive. Yeah. You know, it's more than I would pay for a piece of jewelry at the type of stores yeah. that I shop at. Normally. And it's trendy stuff that's going to go to style in a year. Right. But I, I've done it over the years feeling kind of like... I want to make this person my friend and I want uh-huh. to please them. So I go and I, and I buy their product and you know, you just mentioned your, your ex roommate who was enticed by this because she kind of fell on a harder time. She met somebody who promised her yes. this gilded lifestyle. Um, I was thinking a lot this week while listening to the podcast and listening to the type of women that get, it's typically women by the way, yes, very especially much. nowadays um, that get involved as distributors and I, I work in the entertainment industry, and even though I work in a, a professional management role, I interact often with dancers, actors, performers, yeah. and for a lot of them, I noticed almost all of them were getting involved in MLMs, several MLMs, yeah. some of them, and I kind of really always understood why they were doing it. These people have the lifestyle of an artist, and Uh they are so lucky because they are making a living. They have a full-time job, um, and sometimes part-time for some of them, but they uh, they are making money by living their art, which is the artist's dream. But they are still hourly employees, and they probably aren't making the kind of money for, you know, it's tough if you got kids, if you're looking to buy a house, you know, if you are... Somebody who's also kind of looking for that American dream lifestyle. I see a lot of them turning to, I mean, God, the Young Living Oils, the Nerium Creams, the Lip Sense makeup. And frankly, the lifestyle of an artist is very expensive. Yeah. Because, you know, a dancer can dance all day for their job, but they have to go take class at night. Yeah. class is expensive. Audition clothes are expensive. Headshots are very expensive. Yeah. You know, the coaches and all of that. So I always kind of understood why they were getting into these schemes. But it also kind of, too, made me concerned and a little bit sad. But sure, I mean, there were always flyers and the catalogs for their things around me. And I, you know, bought one or two things from them over the years, too. Um, but anyway, kind of like... Getting, I lost my train. Where, where uh, well, should we go next? So what we I, have so much to say. Well, what I was going to say is that the reason it's enticing is not only are we telling you you're going to get rich quick, but some of these products have endorsements by celebrities. Absolutely. And watching the video with John Oliver, if I saw Chuck Norris and one more video for something, I was going to lose my mind. But, you know, yes, there's endorsements from celebrities and you can feel good knowing like, oh, this other celebrity likes this oil too and this face cream. But in, for an MLMer in their company, the founder has a cult-like status yes. that rivals anything. And they have yearly conventions. And they Sometimes are... Month, m- monthly. And some of the ones that I've been listening to, like I listened to a podcast called... I'm sorry to interrupt you, just real quick. A podcast called Sounds Like MLM But Okay. And they talked to someone who was in Amway for 10 years. And there were four mandatory conventions a year. And they are at arenas. I mean, they yes. are packing in fifteen to 20,000 people. The head of Market America, which, again, is something I have never heard of, J.R. Redinger, at a conference entered with actual fire 
and like explosives and pyro and then continue to use physical gags to show the crowd how to make more money and to pump them up. Like he literally went to the edge of the stage with water pumps and was like, you're going to be pumping in so much money. And then goes <laughs> over company. to a large hamster wheel and is like, this is you in the rat race. But once you're with us, you don't have to be in this rat race anymore. And then my favorite is when he ran to a gravestone on stage of Joe Nobody it didn't have a death date. It said Joe Nobody was born in 1955 until like question mark, but then continued to scream at the grave. Like, <laughs> come on, Joe, don't be a nobody. Come with me. I can show you the life you can lead. You're not living up to your true potential. And that's what people see. And it becomes this like motivational thing. And another one I was watching, this woman was referencing at this jewelry convention and it was Scientology levels. You know, there were 30 levels to grow through in the company. And she was like, if you're only here to be a low-level jade, get out. If you want to be a diamond, you're not thinking hard enough. But if you're thinking every day, I'm going to be a double black diamond, then welcome to your future. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to do this for a year, and in one year from today, you're going to walk into your boss's office and quit because you know you make six figures in that not-a-pyramid scheme that you do <laughs> that almost got you fired from work. And I can watch it. Like, oh my God, what is happening? What this is lady is on? lunatic and screaming at you, but telling you, look at this guy. He has Ferraris because he can hawk his stuff so well. No, that guy has a silver fucking tongue and has convinced all of you to be in his downline, which is what it's called mm-hmm. when you have all of those people in your team and he's making money off of all of you and he's not doing shit. And he's also less than the 1%. Right. So, I mean, they do chat out those people at those conventions yeah. that are making hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars a year. But what they're not being open with those other distributors about is that is 1%. What did you say? Herbalife had 3.2 million distributors. Yes. That means 3,000 of them are making money and yeah. the rest are making either nothing or they're losing money because they are enticed to keep buying more and more yeah. product and they can't sell it. Because like we were talking about earlier, so many people, it's so much focused on new recruitment. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm right now on Facebook could point out five girls that are trying to sell me 31 bags. Oh, Another 10 people that are trying to sell me Rodan and Fields. Mm-hmm. Another 15, I bet, I bet literally 15 people have a LuLaRoe oh, yeah. business that are friends with me on Facebook and I am constantly declining their invites for their parties and their groups because all three of those products I've, I've paid attention to and I know I'm not interested in the product Correct. and you're not going to make me interested in the product and I don't want you to guilt me into wanting to buy the product and from I you. I don't like being put into these groups. I don't That's like that either. That's a big thing that we have just offhandedly had our own conversations. By all means, post on Facebook that you sell lip sense stuff. Mm-hmm. And constantly, you know, if you want to update your feed and let everybody know, hey, you can come to me, but to force me into this group that I didn't ask for, once I got put into a legging group by a guy I went to college because he was helping his wife, I left. He put me right back in. I left again. We did this for 10 minutes and I messaged him. I was like, you have to stop Stop it. it. I am leaving the group. He's like, oh, come on. And it was like harassing me. And I was like, bro, don't even. You know, I don't want, I didn't ask and you need to listen and respect that. 
I bet he went to a recruitment event yep. with his wife because, like you were talking about, it's it's an evangelical style of yes. preaching almost uh-huh. that they do at these conventions. And to go back to podcasts, I I thought to myself, I knew we were doing this topic yeah. this week, and I didn't want to sit here and be completely biased against no. multi-level marketing. Yeah, we did do our due diligence. So I, honest to God, you have to believe me, trying to get <laughs> you try. Try to listen to MLM positive podcasts and try to get some success stories so that I could go, well, but maybe, you know, it, well, but maybe. Yeah. So I listened to a podcast. Gosh, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of saying this out loud, like they're going to come after me, but I'm going to go ahead and say the podcast is called MLM Success Stories Podcast. It was uh, the 101st episode that I listened to. I was hoping to listen to several, but uh, it's all I could do to get through those 42 minutes. The host is named Dale. Now, he was introduced by whom it sounded like was his wife, but then it turned over to Dale on the mic, and I got a 42-minute sermon about um, why you don't give up ever, mm-hmm. you know, you pay more money, you um, isolate yourself from friends who are trying to tell you to get out, and you, um, it's us versus them, you know you, and you know your business, and you look, look, I love podcasts. I listen to a lot of them. I host a podcast about podcasts. And if I tell you that any podcast talks for one person talks for 42 minutes without essentially taking a breath. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's no segment. There was no guest. He never cited a source of no. anybody else. He had no ads. <laughs> I mean, this was somebody, like well, I we said. We have that in common. The word that kept coming to me was um, evangelical and, and a radical evangelical. And cult. cult. I was just about to go there. Thank <laughs> you. Because you said the word cult a couple of times while you were talking. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to, I didn't give enough credit to this podcast. Sounds like MLM, but okay. okay. That's the title of the show. And I think it's fucking brilliant. Um, I listened to most of an episode today called A Decade in Scamway or Amway. Funny. And they had a woman on Allison Craft who was in Amway for 10 years, and she straight up now calls it a cult. Yeah. She talks about how difficult it was to get out. So I know that's where you kind of want to go. Yeah. So I know we talked about it weeks ago when we were referencing Jonathan Van Ness's Getting Curious podcast. JVN from the famed Queer Eye on Netflix is the groomer. And he had this podcast well before the show because he is curious about things. I love that. Yeah, me too. And he did have on basically a doctor of cults. And she said there are about seven signs that cults have. And she even said MLMs fit about five of seven. And it is very much that us versus them mentality. Um, push people out who don't agree with you, also like a suppressed person in Scientology. Mm-hmm. There are levels you need to attain. Your leader is the most important person. It's the just focus on recruitment of others. Constantly and getting out, near impossible. Exactly. Unless you're willing to go completely bankrupt and lose a huge portion of your social network. Yeah, absolutely. And unfortunately, when it comes to these MLMs, the Hispanic communities are targeted the most. Really? Yeah, I didn't see it. Especially with Herbalife. Ah. So a lot of um, the footage that you see during the John Oliver, as well as they have a lot of great footage. I want to make sure I get it right. Do it right is um, from ABC News investigation with Brian Ross called Herbalife Investigation: American Dream for Sale. 
and the whistleblower. And they talk a lot about Herbalife and how it's in low-income Hispanic communities and have like a retail space, but have to have like the wall, like the doors and windows completely covered. You go in and like they had cameras on them, like button cameras. And they had two of their um, producers who are Hispanic go in and try to get recruited. And it was just like, oh, well, we don't have the money. Well, what can we do to help you get that money? And like bringing them in. And they just so difficult to get out and from under that debt that 60%, I think, of, I mentioned, of the distributors of Herbalife are Latino. And in fact, with the John Oliver episode, he was so passionate about getting this message out. He had his own MLM at the end of the show called hashtag, this is a pyramid scheme, <laughs> trying to help other people get family members and friends out of an MLM. So his goal was that you share this video with five of your friends and ask them to share the video with five of their friends. And then he brought on an actor from Jane the Virgin Mm -hmm. and was like, this is how passionate I am. We're going to do this episode with subtitles in Spanish. And then he's going to come out and do all of the stuff that I did in Spanish because it is so important that this segment of the community understand what they're getting into because they're being sold a bill of goods. Buy this soup, sell this soup, make money. And they can't. To I you and then they can't get out. And they can't get out. And you know, I saw this is back to the Washington Post article that I talked about earlier. Um, she said here that nearly thirty-two percent of multi-level marketing participants said they finance their involvement in the business using a credit card, mm-hmm. which means these people don't have the money to buy in in the first place. Yeah. And I'll share a personal story now that I know I've told you yeah. before. Um, when I was a kid, my, my dad owns a small business, a legitimate small business. We need to talk about <laughs> yep. calling these people calling themselves small business owners in a minute. But um, my dad owns a legitimate small business in a small town in Michigan. And for many years, he employed a secretary. And in the summers, I would go work in my dad's shop for like five bucks an hour for my mom to get me out of the house, yeah. to keep me busy, and for me to make a little pocket change yes. I cleaned around the office for $5 an hour. Perfect. And I would, you know, chit-chat often with the secretary who, uh, you know, her name was Jennifer. She became, you know, she was a really nice lady. She had kids. She had just recently remarried her current husband. Um, she had been a cosmetologist. Uh, previously, she cut hair. And she kind of left that. She wanted something a little bit more stable, I think. And so she was working for my dad. And she wound up getting into Mary Kay. Mm -hmm. Because she was a licensed cosmetologist. Not only could she sell, but she was actually allowed to do makeovers at parties. But she got started. And she just needed to host so many parties in so many days or Mm -hmm. something. And I guess I was like 12-ish maybe at the time. And she asked me to host a party. So, like, I asked a bunch of my girlfriends. And they all kind of fell through at Uh the end. So, this poor woman came over. I got permission from my mom, of course. Yes. But the party participants were just me, my mom, and my sister who was like... If I was 12, she was six, or she was eight eight at the time. So, you know what? I mean, they made us over, or she made us over. Obviously, I was, like, I didn't have a credit card. I didn't buy anything. I don't know if my mom, out of, you know, pity or guilt, bought anything from her. But, you know, and also, I was a kid. I wasn't involved in, like, the business level of it. I was like, yeah, I want a makeover party. Yeah. Um, But I do kind of remember my parents talking about a couple years later down the road that she and her family almost went bankrupt because she got so soaked into that Mary Kay. And they pushed you to – she had, I think, like, several thousand dollars in product that she couldn't unload. And I think they wound up having to, like, liquidate it somehow and just try to regain any part of that loss. But – it was, you know, that's a, a personal story from my past. And I, I know other people 
buy so much of this product because they keep getting sold so hard. They get it further into this cult-like atmosphere yeah. of trust us. You will see the gain. All you've got to do is oh, pay one more step. Buy Ooh, one more give box. Buy one more box. And then you're going to finally yeah. you know, be at that level where you'll make the money back. And that's just not accurate. Accurate. And it's not true. And if you do, you are the exception to the rule. And yes. with a lot of these products that you have to buy up front, they will expire. Your essential oils will expire. Your makeup does expire. You know, your Herbalife food and supplements will expire. Mm -hmm. And at that point in time, you're screwed out of your money. And some companies will let you do a return. But, like, let's say you have. For very little. Oh, for 10%. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You're still screwed regardless. I think LuLaRoe does that. You can return products that you can't sell. Only now. Only now. They went through a whole big thing. But um, like you mentioned, your dad is a small business owner. So some professionals are are small business owners, operate small businesses. They can be lawyers, accountants, dentists, medical doctors, own restaurants, be photographers, have small-scale manufacturing, maybe an internet-related business such as a web design or computer programming. Um, And then there's also entrepreneurs, and they're a person who organizes and operates a business or businesses taking on greater-than-normal financial risks in order to do so. Um, and also with a small business owner, they often will require inspection and certification from various government authorities in regards to whatever business that they are in. And, um, like we mentioned, this is kind of one of the things that like gives us like a twitch in our eye when people are like, Oh, support my small business mm-hmm. or small business owner Saturday after, you know, Thanksgiving. And as a, a small business owner is the cute little cafe that is a mom and pop shop that I'm going to go get my coffee from and then go to another local, you know, Etsy pop-up shop or something. Those are small businesses. You telling another company, I will give you a thousand dollars and then sell your product for you and not get a W2 from them Mm -hmm. or anything like that is not a small business. You're not an entrepreneur. If could you go on shark tank and pass the red face test? You couldn't. No, I think that I see, I mean, just on Facebook alone, I see so many people that, you know, I'm friends with talk about how they're a now small business owner and I twinge, especially because, yeah. you know, my father's a small business yeah. owner and I see him having, uh, running a legitimate business and it's not the same as selling lipstick on the internet. It's, it's just really not. not. And I think that they get sold this from their upline though, yeah. because look, this upline has to somehow make them feel better about the fact that you're getting no salary from Mm -hmm. us. You're getting no benefits from us. So what are we going to tell you to make this feel okay? We're going to tell you you're your own small business. You're in charge of your destiny. If only you work hard enough and and grow your business by recruiting and selling and doing Mm -hmm. your parties, this is all up to you. This is your business. Which also feels like a great line for them whenever the FTC comes and raids their back office and watches them literally clean money in the back. Then they can go like, but look at all these other small business owners that are underneath us. Like, I feel like it's also a way for them to pawn off a lot of responsibility. But you know what? Like you said earlier, we did a lot of due diligence in this. So Mm -hmm. I want to talk about the Rise podcast with Rachel Hollis. I talked about her before. Great book, Girl, Wash Your Face. And you're a big fan of hers. Big fan of hers. And in the book of hers, I had one of those uh, moments Mm -hmm. because she talked a lot about MLMs. And she has spoken at Rodan and Fields conferences. And when I posted on Instagram that I was, you know, reading that book, a handful of Rodan and Field consultants, distributors, 
who have annoyingly never left me alone and that I don't want their product and I don't want to work for them. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh my God, we love Rachel. She's such a supporter of us, which I know is a dig from their perspective. Like you like Rachel, but you don't like us. Are you sure you like Rachel and support Rachel? Sure. Rachel's ours. She belongs Rachel's to us. Rachel's ours. But so Rachel. She's in their cult. <laughs> she is. Her episode, MLM Secrets to Success, How to Build a Great Team to Grow Your Direct Sales Business. So on this episode, she had Lindsay Matway. She's a lifestyle coach and mom entrepreneur. That's not a real word. Oh my god. Uh-huh. That's like girl boss, mom entrepreneur. <laughs> Stop it. No. No. So just be an entrepreneur who happens to be, to a, be mom. a woman, right? Sidebar. You are a boss. You happen to be female. You're an entrepreneur. You happen to be a mom. What defines you the most? And go with that. Exactly. I could rant farther, but let's Jesus go on right. with the podcast. <laughs> like that poor female, female prosecutor. prosecutor. That's what I wanted to rant about. Damn exactly. It. Okay, SNL's cold <laughs> open and A.D. Bryant's character, the female prosecutor, couldn't just be the fucking... Okay. The Brett Kavanaugh stuff, right, right, blah, blah, right. blah, blah, blah. That's blah. a different episode. Can't wait to see you all season long, Matt Damon. <laughs> we love you. Um, <laughs> anyway, she is a Beachbody coach. Mm-hmm. So Beachbody does P90X, 21 Day Fix, so many more things. Raise also, your hand, Amy. I need to raise you my hand. For a long time. I was in Beachbody for a while. I bought so much fucking Shakeology that, hey, guess what? That shit expires. It does. What that would you expires. rather have, a Kate Spade or a month-long supply of Shakeology? <laughs> you know. <laughs> I know what I want. Anyway, I want so basically the concept of Beachbody is you purchase Shakeology, and this is your food supplement. And through your quote-unquote coach, you can purchase online videos, DVDs, supplemental food products. They have their own version of Tupperware container, like you put your nuts in mm-hmm. this, and that's all you can have this a day. Is, yeah, that's Three-day cleanses, so much more. Um, she has a Beachbody team of 70,000. Oh, wait, distributors under her? Uh-huh. Okay, no, she is in the 1%. She's she making is in the 1%. She She's has an Instagram money. following of 88 thousand people oh, on her website she's got coaching programs to help you teach others to coach mm-hmm. or she can be your coach and what they talk a lot on this episode is how she really boomed she was you know young had a daughter and her husband were trying to figure things out and she you know saw somebody doing beach body got in with that woman that woman quit and she was her only downline so she was on her own and became her own coach and just realized she was getting a lot of no's from people that didn't want to participate and just looked at, you know, had a photo of her daughter next to her desk and was like, this is my why. I am not going to stop until I am done. And she wanted to figure out how to push through to get to that next level. So then she realized her niche is moms. And she did what the most successful bloggers, vloggers, podcasters do is you niche down so hard. Nobody can be like you. You know what I mean? You've got to find your niche. You have to stay in your lane. Mm-hmm. And she realized her niche was moms. And so she worked hard to join other mom groms, mom groups at church, find other, you know, mo- like stay-at-home moms at school, find the working moms at her children's school. Like what moms could she find? And her goal was to talk to 100 people a day about Beachbody. Woo! And then she would start. I don't want to talk to 100 people a day about anything. I know you don't. God damn, <laughs> so that's horrible. She hit her first monthly goal of like winning an iPad. And she said, well, what's the next goal? And just kept seeing those goals and kept reaching and reaching and reaching. And like I said, now she's got 70,000 people underneath her. And she also will do monthly calls where everybody calls into like a conference line. Mm-hmm. She had Rachel Hollis come on and talk to her team. And she's had other motivational speakers who kind of talk to them. And so underneath her 70,000, she has other umbrellas that are niche and just all of these different niches underneath her. So I don't think that there's a market she's not touching. 
But so when I went onto her website, she had the six figure checklist to succeed. And I couldn't copy all of it because it was so long. Oh, yeah, I see your paper. So here's some things I meet three to five new people on social media daily. I will host a monthly fitness challenge group. I earn Success Club 10 monthly, minimum five without expectation, exception, which I don't know what those words mean. I return messages regarding my business every day. I have scheduled business hours. I am present and in the moment during this time. I don't go to bed until my power hour to-do list is complete. I will work out five days per week. I will drink Shakeology daily. And I mean, this continues and continues and continues. Um, I'm growing my following on Instagram by 20 to 30 people weekly. I read the book GoPro. I read the book The Compound Effect or The Slight Edge. I track my progress using notebooks, spreadsheets, Evernote, Asana, and more. I mean, it goes on and on. This is how you can make six figures. And this is another thing that I've always been confused on. Good for her. It can be done. You know what I mean? But she is the exception to this rule. Yeah. But what I've never understood with Beachbody and, you know, with so many of these other things is she's considered a coach. I know plenty of Beachbody coaches. Mm-hmm. They um, have never gone to school for nutrition. They mm-hmm. do not have a background in personal <laughs> yeah. training. Yep. And yet they tell people, here's how to get fit. Here's how to eat right. When people have spent blood, sweat, and tears in this world of nutrition and fitness, and you had $150 for a thing of Shakeology and – got somebody underneath you and now you're a coach yeah you know I will say from having been in it their biggest job to coaches is to cheerlead and to um, share ideas for you know like recipes and things yeah they're not say I mean the you buy the program so like you buy the PO or the um you know the different exercise routines and oh yeah they cheerlead you to do it every day yeah. to get up and do it look at me defending it now you are and, okay. and the same thing with the food but that really is the role. Whether they're all doing that, the coaches, I can't confirm or deny. I worked with one coach, and I got it. A girlfriend of mine from work needed to do it, and it was a buddy challenge. She asked me to be her buddy, and I was overweight. I, like, I was I was in a bad place with my weight yeah. at the time, and I was like, yes, I will do this. Um, so that's how I got into that. I was only in it for a couple of months before. I just couldn't keep up with yeah. it. I had a friend who wanted me to do it, and I was like, great, I don't want to use your Shakeology. I just want to eat, like, my own food plan. Like, you know, can I just do um, my fitness pal? And she's like, ah, we really want you to do the Shakeology. And yeah. I was like, yeah, you really yeah, want my money. I get it. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, if that's I'm just doing – guarantee your success unless yeah. you do their program, right? Of course. So, yes, we did want you guys to know that there are people out there that are doing a fine job and are able to buy their house in cash – as right. they want you to know. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Obviously, there's the stories out there of, of people who really do just, they must be very, very charming. Yeah. They must be probably very, very dedicated. They have, you know, like I was saying to you earlier before we got started, I'm not going to quit my job and start up an MLM and just know that I'm going to work really hard. Yeah. Because my life isn't set up that way. You know, if I had a spouse whose benefits I could fall back on, you know, that might be something that I could start to consider. Yeah. Um, but, you know, again... I I was at a MLM party recently, and it was really clear to me that the woman that was hosting the party, she had retired from, um, she was was in an artist's career, and she had retired from that, essentially, and she basically, it was pretty clear to me she had married well. Uh And so for her to be part of the MLM that she was part of, she had exposable income, and she was able to buy into this, and there the stakes weren't terribly high, I yeah. felt. Now, maybe I don't know. I don't actually know this woman, so I could just definitely be inferring uh, very wrongly. Yeah. 
But I do think that if you are in a place in your life where you want to get involved in an MLM, maybe you do just have a passion for the product. Maybe you're somebody who's really, really social and, you know, you just want to host these parties and talk to people and meet new people. And, you know, there are people that love to attend those types of conventions and just have that like cheerleading moment. I don't think that it's all necessarily bad um, or evil. I do think that the structure of the companies is bad and evil. It is. But I do think that if you want to be involved, as long as you know what you're signing up for and what you're willing to do and you're like gambling, yeah. you know, like that. And also like when you go to the casino, if you know that you're the type of person that can take a hundred dollars to the casino and stop after $99 and 99 cents of, of spending at the slot machine and walk away. Oh, that's me. fine. Go ahead. <laughs> I am a person who so takes a hundred dollars to the casino and then, you know, runs to the ATM <laughs> yeah. three more times. I can't make rent. You're anymore. like a kid on the leash. We have to like yeah. tug on you. Like get back here. Thankfully I, mean. I don't go to casinos often, but I, I'm one of those people yeah. that I'm sure I could be convinced to buy right. more and more and more stuff. So if you know what you're getting in for and what you want to get out of it and you're a, a strong enough person mm-hmm. to hold to that, get into it. And and like I've just admitted, you know, I've been a consumer of the products from multi-level marketing. I've had better experiences yeah. than others. I tend to stay away from it for the most part. Like yeah. I said, I really have to be enticed either by the person hosting the party or the product to involve myself and I don't ever guarantee to them that I'll buy. If I buy it, because I genuinely want the the product. Um, So, yeah, go ahead. So in regards to that, I think my biggest concern with all of it is, like, just call a spade a spade. Yes. I like this product. I really want to be a independent distributor. Don't call yourself a small business owner. Do not call yourself an entrepreneur. And also... I would love to not feel like to be a good friend I am forced to support and give you money. That mm-hmm. you so often see people just be like, well, I can't believe you're not going to support my small business. And you're not going to support this and buy from me. Yeah. Well, listen to us. I got a blog and a podcast. Have you rated five stars? Have you subscribed? Did it cost you any money? It didn't. Right. So, you know, if you don't want to be listening to myself or reading my blog or liking my photos on Instagram, all good. Fine. I'm still going to do it and not demand a dime from anybody. I mean, if we wanted to go to Patreon, maybe we'll bring that back <laughs> up. We don't know. We don't have the clout yet. But also, we'll take a sponsored ad. Yeah, but sure. at the same time, with these things, I just always feel like when I hear someone's in one, I'm like, oh, they're going to tell me I'm a bad person for not giving them money. Mm-hmm. I know plenty of people who are a small business owner in town who, I'm like, how are things going? Like, one of our girlfriends, Kristen, she's got her own blowout studio. She doesn't come at us all of the time that if we were good friends, we'd go and get a blowout from her. Right. It's Monday. I don't need one right now. Maybe if I'm going to a holiday party, I would do if that. Mama can score herself a date. Maybe I'll get right. a blowout. <laughs> Boyfriend, she would wear, get blowouts more often. <laughs> but I, my relationship with Kristen isn't dependent on me supporting that monetarily. It's yeah. me supporting it in a friend way, and she doesn't ask for more and vice versa. And that's what I get so much out of these MLMs is that they do kind of dig at them during these conferences. Like if people aren't supporting you, get them out of your group. And it's like, right. whoa, why am I You're hij- hijacking our friends and acquaintances yeah. into these cult-like business models? And when we came into this friendship, we had this contract that we support each other and all this stuff, but not monetarily. Right. And now this is here and now I have to do that. And so that's what I think one of the reasons that MLMs and pyramid schemes give me a pit and as John Oliver said 
a lot of people who are going to listen to this are going to say, yeah, but my MLM is different. Sure. And it's not. Yeah. Just like every girl in a bad relationship says, yeah, I but, can change but them. I can change them. It'll work out for me. Yes. Um, so look, I really do wish people that are involved in these things well, because I don't want to see anyone lose their shirt. Absolutely not. I hope that this discussion maybe taught somebody a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd love to converse with you. Podcast uh, rdvd at gmail.com or same handle Instagram, Twitter. Let us know what you think. Shall we play a little game yes. before we move on to pop-ups? Absolutely. All right. All right, Amy. Yeah. How much money? Mm-hmm. What I need to pay you. Yeah. To wear candy corn, LuLaRoe leggings. Oh, my God. With, like, oh my God. a polka dot, different colors than the candy corn on your butts. Those, like, LuLaRoe <laughs> dresses that people wear oh with God. the leggings oh underneath. God. But then, like, proudly go out and take on the stairs and say, say things like, oh, it's LuLaRoe. Do I, I don't have to go to work, right? Well, fun fact, that's not appropriate for work, but I see it all the time anyway. Yeah, you gotta go Um, to work. You gotta go to a work event. You're going to a work event, a holiday work event for Thanksgiving. Oh Oh my god, and I'm wearing candy corn Uh leggings. And like a polka dot top. And And I have to tell people it's LuLaRoe. And when when people look at you, go like, oh my god, do you like? I just got it. LuLaRoe. Um, I'm gonna need a year's worth of rent. Your half? Or the whole thing. My just my half. Just your half. Okay. All right. That sounds good. Great. So we'll sign that contract later. <laughs> oh god, no, I right. have to buy the stuff. I have a question for you. Sure. Okay, so let's play Mary Fuck Kill. Yes. Okay. Uh, lip sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lularo. Uh-huh. And um, let's go. Let's see, I've got one base thing. I've got and let's do beach body. Okay. So we have a lipstick line or so facial uh-huh. care. We have clothing and we have a like workout yeah. MLM. Mary fuck kill. Go. I'm going to kill the leggings. Cause like I just don't think they're doing anything for anybody. And they're not gonna do anything for me. <laughs> they're not gonna do anything for me with candy corns on my <laughs> Well, mouth. you're gonna need a lot of money out of it. <laughs> um I guess I'll have Fuck lip sense because it's not going anywhere. <laughs> that shit doesn't move. And then I'll marry Beachbody because I think that it's just going to try to stay in shape a lot. Right. It's always going to, you know, it's like have having a, a model pack. husband that's yeah. going to like nudge you to go to the gym yeah. in the morning. And who's going to like annoy the crap out of me, but I'm going to be like reminding myself, but I love him. <laughs> I love him though. <laughs> All right. So funny. I hope everybody who is listening who is an, M- an, an MLM. Wish them great success and that you guys still love us and want to listen to us some yeah. more. But you know what? Hard Damn. left. We are going we a little long, so say. we are just going to give you some quick podcast pop-ups that we listened to this week. So, Amy, I'm going to keep going mm-hmm. um, and mention the Rise podcast. Sure. As I said with Rachel Hollis, she had one that launched today. It's called Hashtag Last 90 Days. And I just thought this was a really good one for a lot of people who are preparing for the holiday season. You know, this is the time of year where we let it all go to shit. Everybody just worked mm-hmm. out for a beach body. Now we're, you know, for a bikini Summer body. Summer body. Summer body. Want a bikini body? Put on a bikini. You got, you got a, a bikini, bikini body. So, you know, what she's saying is let's make these last 90 days count. Don't be like, oh, well, it's pumpkin spice latte season, nine a day. Like, you know, <laughs> let's still be cognizant. So she talked about her strive for five, which I've talked about in the past. Yeah. 
wake up an hour earlier, give up a food or beverage or something that, you know, isn't good for you for at least 30 days, um, sweat for 30 minutes a day, write down three things you're grateful for, drink twice your body weight in water. So it's a commitment to doing those for the next 90 days. And then they've got a whole Facebook group. They're going to send out emails. Oh, I like that. Yeah. And it's just really to help people commit to their last 90 days of really ending with a bang. Okay. Before you go into the new year. And so on the podcast, she just really talks about, like, don't let it be December 27th. Then you look back and you're like, these jeans got tight. I really let myself go. Okay, it's January 1st. I promise I'm going to be good for 30 days. You don't have to worry. You've been good for 90 days. You can keep it going into the new year. I like it. Yeah, it was really cool. Go. Um, okay, so I've got something that's going to take a turn for you, but we're going to start in a true crime place. What? So this week's episode of Sword and Scale is number 123, and it's bananas. So it's the story of uh, a woman named Lisa Trubnikova who was killed by a man who was obsessed with her named Adrian. Now, Lisa was married to her wife, Anna, and uh, Lisa and Adrian worked together on the Coast Guard. Okay. And it was clear that Adrian had become obsessed with Lisa and was, like, in love with her, but to Lisa, you know, they were just friends. Now, according to Adrian and Adrian only, one time Anna was out of town and Lisa invited Adrian over to hang out. They had some drinks, and according to Adrian, Lisa put the moves on him and they wound up fooling around. Okay. So he leaves that encounter, and he's already got an unhealthy obsession with her, and it leads him down this rabbit hole where he clearly also has some underlying psychosis that comes out because he becomes very obsessed, and he convinces himself, basically, that she sexually assaulted or raped him, and that he he makes a plan to kill her, Um, and then... It comes out, he's he's obsessed with Star Wars, and he writes this ridiculous 250-page like manifesto that he calls Loyal Wars, Whoa. where he describes in detail why he, you know, what happened, why he needs to kill her, how he's going to kill her. And so, I mean, it's one, it started off as kind of what I would call like a regular true crime murder yeah. podcast, and then it took a flip, and... So here's here's where I'm going to flip it on you. A bunch of the manifesto, not all of it, but the big excerpts from it are read on the podcast by Chris D'Elia. Oh, he's so funny. Right. But here's the weird thing. So I read the show notes. So he's a comedian. He was comedian. also on that show, Whitney with That's Whitney right. Cummings, he played her husband. He's amazing. She's only okay. Exactly. He has a very funny Netflix special called Man on Fire that oh. you can stream. I've watched it several times. It's so good. He's so funny. I think Super he's sexy, too, in a weird sexy. way. Yeah, he's weird and manic, yeah. but, like, sexy. And But I read the show notes beforehand, and it said, you know, this is going to be the story with special guest Chris D'Elia. And as the show goes on, I'm like, when's Chris D'Elia going to come on? And is podcast or this manifesto starts getting read, and I didn't even realize... So we get to the end of the podcast, and it was a great story. I was like, where the hell is Chris D'Elia? <gasps> he read that manifesto. So I went back, and I listened to it again, like, it's definitely Chris D'Elia. And they made no mention of him in the show itself. Like, here's the manifesto read by comedian Chris D'Elia. Uh-huh. And he, I was like, why in the hell is Chris D'Elia <laughs> reading? So amazing. Like, taking this gig, reading a manifesto on Sword and Scale. So I did a quick Google of him. And he has a podcast, it turns out. Yes, I have to write it down. Oh, my God, I'm freaking out. It's called Congratulations with Chris D'Elia. Oh, I love it. So I listened to episode 87 of his show right after Sword and Scale, because I'm on a Chris D'Elia kick. Yeah. Down the rabbit hole, as we say. And I got to tell you, 
We went on a journey. Was it a dark journey? Yeah. Oh, um, it was light. It was dark. dark. It was, he is a darker comedian, yeah. So it was just him alone. He had no guest. He had no producer. It was Chris talking for well over an hour. Um, he went from Bill Cosby to musing aloud whether Cosby should off himself now oh, that fuck. he's going to jail to a long, very funny monologue about cat poop coffee, which evidently, like... She, she, high people in Europe are drinking coffee that they're feeding cats these, like, coffee beans, waiting for the cats to ship them out, and then making coffee from it. It's, like, $80 a I have cup. heard of this. Okay, so he went on and on and that. Maybe not cats, but other animals. Uh, yeah. Well, this company is evidently called Cat Poop Coffee. Like, you could Google that, and it's this company. There's probably that. other animals. Like, I think I've heard of goats poop and stuff like that. But I think on Amazon, ones. a lot of coffee beans and stuff you get, sometimes it's gone through another animal before. Right. Well, anyway, then he continues on, and he starts crying, like openly crying on the podcast, because he talks about how someone stood up at one of his live shows recently and told him that he kind of saved him from depression, <laughs> listening to his podcast had pulled him out of a deep depression, and Chris starts crying about how he has experience with depression and anxieties, and, you know, like, he's literally just openly weeping. That's amazing. And then he kind of hits pause, and he comes back, and he rips into the new line of Jordan Nikes. Uh, like I said, this was a journey of a podcast. <laughs> I had just listened to this crazy sword and scale, and then I took in about an hour and a half of Chris D'Elia, just stream of weird-ass consciousness. Yeah. Comedians um, are good at that, though. You can listen to them for an hour and be okay, unlike the sermon you got earlier. Well, yeah. No, it was it was entertaining. It was weird. I, I, I will definitely be going back. So that's congratulations for Chris Delia. Awesome. Well, it's been a journey today. Yeah, we an MLM journey. Hashtag, this is a pyramid scheme. But um, we hope you guys enjoyed this MLM journey with us through the good, the bad, the ugly, the who knows what next. The weird. The weird. So tune in next week for another journey of ours. But until then, don't forget to stop off at iTunes, rate us five stars, subscribe, review, do the whole kit and caboodle. But no matter what you do this week, be kind and rewind. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.